Okay. The same. Okay. Is there anything on the agenda this evening relating to? No, I think. Just, okay, just being you. sure, being careful. All right, thank you. Um, just before we start, then, I'm just going to um, make a change to the agenda order. I'm going to bring forward um, item 10 up to uh, to follow the. Um, reports from the leader after item six just so that our guests can get away and not have to stay all evening okay minutes of the meeting held on the 25th of february i'll go through these for accuracy page five page six page seven page eight thank you councillor hargreaves Oh, sorry. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, it says uh, on my comments, um, sorry, that um, Councillor Hargreaves asked why no specific sum had been earmarked to cover the risk associated with the local plan. What it should really say is that there's no sum earmarked to cover the costs associated with the local plan. There is actually no specific budget for it which is what I, the point I was making. And could I also ask that it be minuted the finance officer's helpful response to that was that a budget would be subdivided to create a budget for the local plan. Sorry. Who spoke? Adrian, are you able to clarify what you said? No. Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll refer back to the recorded minutes. Thank you. Okay, I, uh, sorry, page 9, page 10, page 11, page 12, page 13, page 14, it was a long meeting, page 15, no, any matters arising? Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, um, at the last meeting, um, a member asked regarding the number of PCSOs and whatever in the district, and the answer to the question is that Braintree and Uttlesford Division are employing 10 PCSOs. In addition, Uttlesford will be fully funding a further two, whose names are James and Mike, and that uh, four PCSOs, including R2, will initially be based at Dunmo, moving to the lodge when it opens. So I hope that answers your questions. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Moving on then to item three, the minutes of the extraordinary meeting held on the 21st of March, page 17 and page 18. Any matters arising? No? Okay, thank you very much. Moving on then to Chairman's announcements. Um, just very briefly, um, I've had a particularly busy period over the last month as my year is beginning to come to an end. I've attended a tour of the House of Lords and Commons and Prime Minister's questions with our MP Sir Alan Hazelhurst, the Rochford Civic Dinner, the Chelmsford Civic Lunch and Tour of Highlands House. I've raised the flag here at Uttlesford District Council with our Chief Exec Dawn for Commonwealth Day, attended the Basildon Civic Dinner and lunch with the previous High Sheriff of Essex, Vincent Thompson. I attended a dinner with Norman Hume and the other Essex mayors and chairmen at County Hall, attended the Havering Variety Show and both the Brentwood Civic and Saffron Warden Mayor's Dinners. And yesterday I attended the launch of the new museum stores here in Saffron Warden.
And last but by no means least, I attended the declaration ceremony for the new High Sheriff of Essex, Lorna Rolfe. And as the Lord Lieutenant said, Lorna and Howard are both true Uttlesford people. And it was lovely to be able to attend this event and a great honour for us to yet again have another High Sheriff from within our district. Thank you. Uh, moving on to item six, uh, Councillor Rolfe. No, it's okay. I think, yeah. uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairman, and good evening, colleagues. Um, just a few points to update you, some of which you'll be aware of, but uh, <coughs> that we were delighted to uh, welcome the police uh, to uh, join our front desk, the customer service. They have their own uh, meeting area uh, just to the left as you walk through the front doors. Um, and as you've just heard, uh, we hope uh, that they can move into the lodge just as soon as the final legal technicalities are armed out. Um, as far as the local plan, uh, the planning policy working group met on March the 23rd uh, when uh, we considered the presentation by consultants on the Green Belt review and we broadly left our Green Belt uh, in place um, and that was the advice of the consultants. Um, we supported the uh, launch of the Great Dunmo neighbourhood plan and uh, um, encourage other um, councils, parish and uh, town, or I think the only other town, Southern Warden, is underway with theirs, uh, to do likewise. It is a key part of the whole uh, planning matrix. Um, and then we considered in some detail uh, the second report of representations to the issues and options consultation and went through that in some detail. And clearly comments fed back by uh, residents and members of the public are a key part of the way forward. Um, we, we, are, we talked about the timetable and um, I think uh, we must seriously consider about a special meeting in June because the last time uh, we had that special meeting and you told officers to go away and take, uh, uh, consider all options including a single settlement, uh, I would like Council to ratify uh, their recommendations so that uh, officers can then go forward to the next stage in terms of the placing which will happen in September uh, with the full endorsement of Council. So, um, we will need to say, yes, officers, we accept your recommendation of the structure that you are putting forward. It might well be more than one recommendation, and clearly we need to uh, consider what advice we're going to give them. It will have been through the planning policy working group first, uh, but I think uh, uh, so that officers have got a very clear brief about how we want that structure to take place. I think it's right that Council have an input into that. So we'll, look, we'll need to look at uh, a meeting because between our annual meeting in May, uh, the next meeting is then quite late in July. So we just need to look at that. But I think it's important that we uh, have have a, a structural sign-off by full council. Um, as far as devolution is concerned, um, we've just had a, a, a very helpful presentation by our chief executive. Sorry that some of you couldn't make it. You have, she has sent all the papers out, and either uh, Dawn, myself, or anybody else would be pleased to answer questions on devolution. It is something that is gaining momentum, and without repeating everything that Dawn said, you'll be aware that announcements were made at the last budget, uh, the sign-off of a devolution package for the west of England around uh, Bristol, uh, for Lincolnshire, and um, the uh, rather odd concoction of Cambridgeshire, Norfolk and Suffolk as well. Um, uh, we've um, 
There is a new chief executive at Stansted Airport, another Andrew, this time Cowan, and we'll be meeting with him on April the 19th. I think we all understand the Council's position as far as Stansted is concerned and uh, obviously want to make that clear to him. We, we had a good relationship, as you know, with Andrew Harrison and uh, a number of good initiatives, not least the possibility of uh, tertiary education and um, a new business park uh, were, were some of the initiatives that we jointly worked on together. Um, this morning, um, Dawn and I were at uh, the West Essex Leaders and Chief Executive meeting, and um, I think one of the benefits of uh, the whole devolution discussion has been that we have resurrected that group. Um, we talked today about um, how we're going to better um, work with the business community in West Essex um, and uh, how that fits into the other uh, scenarios. You'll be aware of the London Stansted Cambridge Corridor and the Growth Commission that they have established. And we have to tread pretty carefully here because the, the, um, the work that they're doing, uh, the clue is in the title, Growth Commission, and uh, I think we all understand the extraordinary phenomena that is happening around life sciences, biotechnology and uh, general information technology in the Cambridge area and that runs down to uh, the other Crick Centre around King's Cross. So the whole corridor is generating 20% growth ahead of the uh, UK average. It, it, it is literally red hot. And, um, and, and, and we're in the middle of that. And, and next to us, uh, there's equally good things happening around Harlow now. It is now the centre of Public Health England. Uh, it has got its own enterprise zone. And so that too will be generating. And it's terribly important that when groups like the Growth Commission uh, consider that phenomena, that we and Epping and other areas around here don't just become the dormitory. We have our local plan, we have our numbers, we work to that. Um, so it, it, it's an important balance between retaining what is special about Uttlesford and yet recognising that we live in a fascinating area of the country. Um, so we'll need to think about it. The other thing we talked about was health and well-being, and I certainly don't want to steal any of Professor Fenton's um, thunder here, uh, but... Uh, we, we, as you know, we have ingrained health and well-being throughout the uh, Council's objectives. And I think we recognise that there are three sort of key aspects to this. Um, there's the keeping people out of hospital. Uh, that includes public health. That includes lifestyle. That includes providing leisure facilities. That includes, uh, you know, without being patronising, um, certain life uh, skills as well. Then, then there's the hospital bit. Uh, some people will, of course, go into hospital, and we, need, we are a key stakeholder to those hospitals that affect uh, our district. And we know that Princess Alex, for those in the south, is, is, has got particular problems at the moment. Uh, and then there's the, the after-hospital bit, and I link with that social care. Um, and, uh, as you know, bed-blocking is a major problem, uh, and the whole social care arena is a challenge. So the first bit, the, um, you know, the public health bit, and uh, the, the, the aftercare and the, and the social care aspect are absolutely within our uh, domain, working with the other relevant authorities. And uh, we need, and we'll hear more from Peter in a moment, but we obviously need to uh, take a step forward in that, and the, and the rest of West Essex is very keen to do the same thing. So I think, um, Chairman, that, that uh, summarises the key points, but obviously happy to take questions. 
Thank you, Howard. Um, we will move on then to um, item 10, the update on the local strategic partnership. Um, Peter Fensom, Chairman of the LSP, and I believe he's joined by Sue Locke, who's our Senior Health Improvement Officer. Thank you. Madam Chairman, ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you for giving me an opportunity to update Council regarding the work of my group. Now, as the leaders just said, the Council's health and well-being agenda, which has now moved into the Housing Department, um, which is not only responsible for, for, for health in the future, but for public and environmental health. Judith Snares has become the housing and wellbeing manager, and Susan Sue Locke is the senior health improvement officer, and I hope after this evening she will in fact be somebody who you recognise. Now, the authority's corporate plan for the next five years demonstrates that health is to be a higher priority in the Council's agenda. And health and well-being is recognised as a key focus by both the um, new Chief Executive uh, and the Leader of the Council. And that seems to be important in in the new, as it were, in the new, new environment. Now, the present group met with its present terms of reference four years ago. The creation of the Essex Health and Wellbeing Board prompted Councillor Rolf and myself to consider the merits of modifying the remit of the Healthy Communities and Older Peoples group of the LSP, which I happened to be to chair at the time. Now, we were unaware of any models that had been created by third-tier authorities suitable for managing an overview of health of a local district. So we were, we were actually breaking new ground by forming this particular group. Others have followed the pattern, of course, subsequently. Now, the group sought to bring together service providers and persons from organisations and residents in receipt of these services. This is rather in contrast to what happens, of course, at the Essex Health and Wellbeing Board, which is strategy and policy dominated. This had to be achieved also, of course, whilst changes in the manner of delivery of health were taking place in all, all the places around, around the, the area, indeed nationally. Um, and at a time when the local plan was undergoing review. Now, the membership of the group reflects this background. Besides councillors, and officers, we bring together SET, South Essex Partnership Trust, 
West Essex um, CCG, public health, adult social care, we try for mental health and more of that later, and Health Watch more recently. The local, local relevant charities, CVS, CAB, West Essex Mind, Alzheimer's, Carers, Age UK Essex, Support for Sight, also are members of the group, as is Uttlesford Volunteer Centre. And we do, of course, rely on receiving some feedback from the Health and Wellbeing Board. Now, what I'll dwell on in particular in my short presentation is the list of the group's achievements. Now, I'd like to suggest that it's quite an impressive list when you consider the turmoil which, was which was, had been generated by the recent changes in the health service and social care and by the introduction of new commissioning procedures at Essex County Council. The group saw the need to ensure that the public, statutory authorities and the volunteer sector groups are kept informed, share knowledge of and gain of understanding sorry, on the impacts of the changes in health, social care, housing. And I think that the Greek group has achieved a significant level of success. We've had achievements in the following areas. Now, I think you'll recognise the annual health profile that you see on an annual basis, which tends to be referred to as the GSNA, the, <clears throat> but the group has collectively requested some improvement in the GSNA. This is the Essex instrument for telling us about the sort of epidemiology of Uttlesford and about the rest of Essex. The data regarding mental health is poor as, it, as, the, as, as the instrument stands right now. And there's no mention of sight loss, or, or people with sight loss, or the numbers of people with sight loss, or the numbers of people with some, certain other disabilities. And the Essex, although Essex County Council have now had our, our suggestions for, I guess, at least six months, they've still got to respond. As I said, the existing mental health services for residents is fragmented and is in need of urgent attention and I'm not alone in saying this. We have nevertheless focused on the provision uh, for dementia, the, de the activities of the Dementia Action Alliance and the local contribution of Alzheimer's, the Alzheimer's Society. And we're we get a cascade of documents about dementia. Um, number 10 seems seem to have decided this is the thing that they will plug. And so there are documents about dementia that arrive from all sorts of directions. And we've got to try and understand, if we can, what the consequences will be 
for Ottlesford, both with regard to the care of patients, of residents, the housing of residents, and of course advice to other people about the prevention of dementia. We supported the aims of CAB and Frontline and Time Bank, Frontline in particular, are important developments and are already serving our community well. We've identified a need for befriending and we hope that that is something that we'll be able to do something about shortly. One of the problem areas that we identified was that of occupational therapy, which responded very slowly to the needs of residents. But with help from Dr. Alice Hodgkinson, you know, she was the general practitioner in charge of the Borough Lane practice at one stage, but it seems to have disappeared forever, and the vacancy that she left has never been filled. But she succeeded in really discussing constructively the role of occupational therapy, both in relation to adult social care, housing, and the public health of our residents. Now, the other thing we did was to examine where services were not being provided and to determine whether the group could apply leverage to achieve changes. Now, the new exercise programme for stroke patients, which provided by the Council and leisure services, is very much the result of such leverage. And we, I think, should be proud of what has been possible in the way of providing um, active rehabilitation for stroke patients, for patients who've had heart attacks, and for patients with chronic lung disease. I think there's a possibility that the Council will, in the near future, of course, tackle the question of physical inactivity among residents, perhaps more energetically than in the past. We've had to ensure that the voice of Uttlesford is heard, um, despite the low priority often afforded to Uttlesford because of our documented affluence. Now, it's especially important that we seize opportunities to highlight our needs and priorities to Essex County Council. The group, the group does recognise this and is well placed to identify some of the issues. The recommendations that Sir Thomas Hughes Hallett made in his document, Who Will Care?, required continuous attention, continuous attention to this particular problem of who will care. And I'm 
just that, more than a bit disappointed that one of the initiatives taken as a result of Sir Thomas's recommendations was the creation of the community agents. And so much happens around here where we're not consulted when changes take place. And so starting off, I guess, 12 months, 18 months ago with three community agents, we're now to one and a, down to one and a half, which we're told is what we need. More of that perhaps on another day. We've we're going to try and work closely with Health Watch, um, particularly um, on the question of care um, and the, our ability to provide the care that is required. Um, we contribute, of course, to the consultation exercises which are conducted by the West Sussex CCG. For example, the new, their new policies for the caring of the frail elderly, for addressing isolation and the need for befriending, which I mentioned already. Now, when Steve Rainius was in post, we also got help with the reviewing of the epidemiological data that was available to the district and some important observations were made with regard to excess winter deaths which is as it were one of the red lights for, for Ottlesford for fuel poverty and unpaid care all very important issues. We have tried, I think we could do, probably improve on this, to monitor and identify opportunity, opportunities for work with various council departments and their officers. We don't do too badly in looking at the problems which relate to air pollution, but we haven't made much progress, for instance, in addressing the apparent gulf that exists between NHS estates and, the plan and our planning department. And I think that's an area that so somebody would need to ta tackle. Now, there's no, it, there's no, my perception is that there's no single point in the district council where these pieces of work are currently being examined. No repetition seems to be apparent, except for some partnership working with the scrutiny committee, which we have done from time to time. There's always been some link to the corporate plan, but we hope that that too will become more obvious with this change in um, strategy. Now, those are the achievements. What are the failures? What are the disappointments? Well, I'll list these very briefly. 
I don't think we succeeded in adequately raising the profile of my group. Although I think we're in we're in, there is a real possibility that we will now get this attention to this, but we have had struggled to obtain real public health support for Uttlesford. This has gone on for four years um, and has been particularly disappointing. As I mentioned, we don't have a GP on the board, on our group, and I think that, that is unsatisfactory. The liaison with mental health and with adult social care has been intermittent. And although this is not our responsibility, I have to register disappointment with the start that has been made with the Uttlesford Residents Health Forum. Now, so far as the objectives of the group are concerned, we have to play a part in, in, in enabling effective partnership working with all the organisations that I've mentioned already to explore with Healthwatch Essex um, the best approach to monitoring current changes. We, I think, need to develop an effective partnership between the group and the Cabinet that we need to observe and influence the development of integrated, efficient and cost-effective services. In other words, if integration does successfully become the flavour of health and social care, then we'll need to be, be wary that there aren't casualties as a consequence. I've already mentioned the GSNA, the Joint Strategic Needs Assessment, and the need, in fact, to continue to find the gaps and plug the gaps. And then, perhaps finally, to say we do need to understand just what is being uh, devised for Uttlesford. You know, we now are told that there are going to be north and south hubs which are going to affect, in particular, the provision of general practice services. We don't know how far we are down that road or exactly what the details of those changes will be. So I finally one question, if I may. How well do, does the Council wish to be kept informed regarding health and well-being, and especially regarding the innovations and changes in the health and social services provided for Uttlesford residents? Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Ms. Fenton. Um, we are running a little short on time now yes, after your quite okay. lengthy and detailed presentation. Thank you. So I won't ask um, Sue Locke to speak, but if, if there's anyone who has any questions, you may stand up. <laughs>
Thank you. Hello, Sue. And if anyone has any questions, then of course feel, feel free to address them to Sue as well. Any questions from anyone? Sorry, Councillor Knight. I think um, one of the problems you have is that uh, it's not a sexy subject, as I think I'm going to be a recipient soon. I'm very keen to encourage. Um, I think one of the problems that I'm concerned is the other side of the coin. I think it's a debilitating uh, disease. It's families that suffer, I think, more greatly, and I would like to see um, a little bit more assistance um, for the carers of the people in this situation. So I, you know, heartily support the efforts you're making. Um, as I say, it's not a lovely disease, and so you won't get the attraction, but I do wish you well and hope that we could also concentrate more on supporting families because I know personally they suffer a great deal and it's 24-7 care uh, and there doesn't seem to be much opportunity for relief for these people. Thank you. We are concerned about caring and in particular we're concerned that the new contract shifted care from Uttlesford to a new organisation in Hertfordshire. And I think it behoves all of us to form a judgment as to whether the service that is now being offered from outside Uttlesford is as effective as the one that was being provided inside Uttlesford. And this I referred to when I was talking about this issue of contracts with Essex County Council. <coughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on then to item seven, um, questions to the leader and members of the executive. Councillor Foley. Thank you. Um, leader, um, I believe a number of council leaders are about to go public on their concerns about the possibility of leaving the European Union. In fact, dozens of council leaders have already signed a letter warning against leaving. They fear economic effects of Brexit could be significant. A letter going to the Times uh, is being signed by over 60 councils, <coughs> uh, from, uh, 60 council leaders from across the country who collectively deliver services uh, from tens of millions of uh, people, for tens of millions of people. Many of these leaders are saying that the risk is considerable. Is this administration concerned about the effects of leaving the EU? And if so, has it made others aware of that? I actually thought you were going to start off by saying um, that whether the, the leader was going to declare his uh, financial no. affairs. But so. <laughs> A supplementary. <laughs> Actually, the EU is a bit, uh, is, is a bit easier. So, I, you know, as far as we're concerned, I, you know, I look around this room and I don't know everybody's views, but I know some of them. Uh, so um, I'll tread this path incredibly carefully. My views are well known because I went to the press and said that I want to stay in. I don't want to start a debate tonight. Um, now, if this council uh, collectively wanted to take a position 
um, then that's absolutely fine. I don't personally think it's the job uh, of either myself or the Cabinet to in any way uh, you know, take a position. If, if the Council as a whole wants to debate it, uh, then that's absolutely fine and up to the Council. And The Chairman may wish to take a view on that, and it's a dis- discussion we could have at our annual meeting. So I suppose the direct answer to your question is, uh, it is an incredibly important subject, um, and uh, really, I think we will all want to uh, study it in considerable detail. Some of us have already made up their minds, but uh, more facts will clearly come out in the campaign that is just revving up now and will be at full throttle for the best part of six weeks. Um, so we can play our part in that. If you wanted a statement to go out to the community, uh, personally, I don't think it's necessary, uh, but I'm you know, in the hands of the council on that. Uh, thank you very much. It, maybe I uh, didn't quite understand where I was going. I wasn't asking for, for people to, to join in a general discussion. Well, I was just wondering if, if the council, uh, through the leader and the council in general, because this is what's happened in other councils, is, is actually concerned about the, uh, the implications of, of leaving or not. Yeah, I, I sort of did get you a com- where you're coming from, but it's, it's not for me or the Cabinet uh, to, to make that kind of statement. I, I, as I say, I'm very happy if the Council wants to make a statement, but I'm not going to make a statement on your behalf, just as I'm not going to make a statement on your behalf about devolution or anything else, because clearly the Council needs to do that. Uh, so um, we absolutely agree that this is a very serious issue. Whether the public could care less what the collective view of Attlesford District Council was, I don't know. Uh, they'll be there to make their own minds up, but... Um, Uh, I I, I don't, you know, I I wouldn't encourage us to to, to make a statement. I think it's a very sensitive issue. You know, it's going to be incredibly debated um, for the next eight weeks. So um, I I think I've answered your question now. Thank you. Councillor Chambers. Madam Chairman, uh, I would just like to say to you that, that it's not exactly a question. It's really an answer to Councillor Foley in as much as I'm an in-person, you cannot turn the clock back. But there are lots of issues, and the leader has said it's not an easy subject to actually understand. But it is not this council that should be making a decision. It is the government, but more importantly, the people of Great Britain. It's everybody can have one vote. Everybody has exactly the same say. Everybody will have the, some information, because you'll never get enough information, but they will have information from both sides, and it's up to the individual to make up his or her mind which way they vote, not this council. That's not our job. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. I believe Councillor Sell, did you have your hand up? Thank you. Well, my question is not on the EU, but it's on non-material amendments. The question is to the leader. I'm concerned about the process by which planning committee is asked to look at non-material amendments. I'm referring specifically to the application last week at the Castle Maltings in Stansted, where, without going into great detail, the windows of the Castle Maltings site were changed 
and they were changed with reference between discussions between two officers. To my knowledge, it never came to the ward members of the parish council or members of the planning committee. And it was admitted at the meeting last week that those change of windows were in fact a material amendment. We also had last week um, rooftop amenity space where the guidance to members was this was non-material. The committee decided otherwise. And in Stansted, particularly with the windows, what was meant to be a traditional building, the fact that these windows have been replaced by aluminium ones is of great concern. And I just wondered about the process which has led to this change. And I would like to have some review of the process so this kind of thing doesn't happen again. Thank you. As you know, I, I don't sit on the planning committee, but I was made aware of this issue, and there may be others, either the chairman of the planning committee or possibly the chief executive who may want to comment, or maybe we come back to you um, from um, uh, the planning department. Um, I, I understand that it was fully discussed at the planning meeting and that, that the matters that were considered uh, worthy of, of their decisions were made, but uh, I seek guidance on that. I further understand that... Um, the issue of windows did have to change and that was understood because of the nature of what was going on in the building. The idea of Georgian windows in a, in a medical clinic simply weren't going to work so there was a matter of practicality but again I am picking up this at uh, third hand. Um, I'm sure the Chief Executive has, has heard what you've said and will discuss, be discussing the issue of uh, uh, you know, what needs to be considered at planning committee and what is, uh, is decided by officers, but I understood that the, a, a satisfactory resolution was reached around the, Stad, the Stansted uh, development on uh, during the week, but uh, I asked for others for guidance on that, or if we can't give guidance tonight, we'll come back to you. As Chair of the Planning uh, Leader and Chairman, um, the matter of the windows was not open for discussion because that decision had already been taken. It wasn't part of the uh, application we had to deal with and uh, in terms of the rooftop amenity space that's now been uh, refused as a minor amendment and then that if the um, applicant wishes to pursue that they would need to come back with a fresh application for consideration and that will come to committee thank you we any other questions sorry councillor sell that was the point, the fact that the windows weren't being discussed. The decision had already been made. And that's the flaw in the process. What was admitted to be a material amendment was never considered. It was a done deal. There are always two sides to every uh, point. So I think the best thing we can do is to have a written response to that, uh, which is circulated to all councillors. Thank you, everyone. Then moving on, um, item 8. Um, I don't believe there are any matters received about joint arrangements and external organisations. So item 9, um, committees and working groups. I believe Councillor Ranger has something to say. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, members, officers, on behalf of the Constitution Working Group, I would offer an apology for the fact that the group has been unable to table proposals suggesting new arrangements for community forums. The task group that the CWG set up to explore possible new ways of engaging with our residents experienced some difficulties in arranging to meet for the purpose of bringing forward proposals for Council's consideration. 
Therefore, I am announcing that the whole CWG will reconvene on Tuesday the 28th of June for the express purpose of formulating new arrangements for ensuring that our community engagement and information events are apt and meaningful and do not just pay lip service to our, to our obligation to hold them. I have set that meeting date for several reasons, the main one being that the make-up of the CWG is set at the annual council meeting, which this year is to be held on May the 17th. It would be unseemly to my mind for a group that has failed to deliver to suddenly rush into action in order to be able to table a motion at the ACM. It will also give time for members who wish to either not be on the CWG or who have an overriding desire to be involved to talk to their party leader so that the membership of the group can be adjusted at the ACM as necessary. I will be speaking with the council leader and the democratic officers to assure myself that the makeup of the working group is sound. I have also borne in mind that our officers are in full election mode at present. PCC on the 5th of May, EU referendum on the 23rd of June, and to put further work their way during that period is clearly not on. In conclusion, Madam, I, Chair, I trust you and my fellow members can agree that in the circumstances my suggestion is acceptable. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Knight. Um, I've made it well known for a long time that the North and South Forums didn't work. Um, and uh, I, when they started talking about it again, um, it doesn't, the way we are approaching it, it doesn't work. I have sent a suggestion to Councillor Ranger, um, and I hope that possibly it could be considered that the way to deal with this is to have a proper seminar with specialist speakers that would be of interest to the general community that they come along will get far more interaction with that sort of thing than turning up monthly for you know, a talk shop where we've got no teeth, we can't do anything, and it's just a community thing. It didn't work. We tried every which way, and I'm sure Councillor Ranger has done as much work on this as well. So why don't we stop trying to do the same thing over again and just work outside of the box, have some good marketing, seminar where we invite people, make it interesting, um, and then you can work from that. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Knight. Anyone else? Thank you, Councillor Light. Yes, thank you. Um, I am a member of this group and I've been very disappointed and, sorry, and have pushed uh, for meetings over the past uh, ye almost year. Um, I applaud what Councillor Knight is saying, but I think what we need to do really is, and the idea was, to open this out to the group and to start looking at ways that can engage the community without fixing on any specific approach. So I would be happy to be part of that group again, um, but as I said, to, in the first instance, to discuss the way forward. Thank you. Uh, thank you. No other comments? Okay, moving on then to item 11, to consider nominations for the position of Vice Chair, sorry, Chairman and Vice Chairman of the Council um, for next year. Um, this evening we take nominations, um, proposals and seconds, but we don't actually take a vote on it until the full Council meeting in May. Thank you. Councillor Rolfe. Are you taking the two posts separately, yes, Chairman? So, for the first post uh, of Chairman, um, I would like to propose uh, Councillor John Davy. Um, he has been your deputy or your vice um, 
throughout the, the, the last year and uh, we spoke about John uh, when we put his name forward in the first place. He's a very experienced councillor and I'm sure has the support of this council to be a very excellent chairman. And having been to umpteen chain gang events even in the last week, um, I do recognise that this is an important ambassadorial role for the council. Um, and uh, as I say, I'm sure that uh, John will be an excellent chairman. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Chairman, I'd very much like to second that proposal. Thank you. And for Vice Chairman, is there any proposals? Councillor Barker. Chairman, um, we have a, a member of this council who's been at this council for a while, had a little gap, but uh, I think he's an excellent councillor, an excellent ward councillor, speaks very wisely, and I'm sure would make a very good vice chairman. I'd like to propose Councillor Geoffrey Sell. Sorry, Councillor Davey. Yeah, I'd like to second that. Thank you. Are there any other nominations for Chair or Vice-Chair? No, thank you. We'll take those forward then to a vote at the next meeting. And item 12, um, there are no other items which I consider to be urgent, so I will close the meeting. Thank you. <laughs>